0: Some people love going to the mall. They love going to stores. They love trying on clothes in the three-mirror room. I hate every second of it. I want something easier. I want to live in the future. I want to buy clothes over the internet in cyberspace. But every time I do that, it's a huge hassle, maybe even worse than being in the store. Stuff is sent to your house, and there's all these boxes, and they don't make it easy to send it back, and it doesn't look as good as it did on the internet. What can we do? Well, someone figured it out. And they're called Trunk Club. TrunkClub.com. Go to this website. It explains everything. And if you go to TrunkClub.com smart, you will get free shipping both ways and a free styling session with a real human being, a personal stylist, who will pick out clothes just for you. Only pay for the clothes that you like and that you keep. Send the rest back. No charge. No subscription fees. No hidden charges, just great clothes in the future. Trunkclub.com slash smart. Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart podcast, episode 70. This is the fourth episode in a series of episodes, a season of episodes, all about logical fallacies. Mhm, yeah, that's right. Logical fallacies. When we argue with each other and you know how you love to argue. We try to justify everything that we've ever believed, even though we know we've been wrong so many times in the past. We come up with false conclusions, we nurture bad premises, kick nuance through the front door and throw all of his clothes out through the window and say, don't you ever come back here. And we assume that everyone else is just dumb or for some reason can't see things the way we see them, which is, of course, the right way. In the last three episodes, we built a sort of Foundation. You learned about the fallacy fallacy, the straw man fallacy, and the black and white fallacy. Which, if you have a good understanding of those three fallacies, then you can start exploring the more complicated and specific fallacies, which is what we're going to do in this episode. So, I really recommend if you haven't already to go back and listen to the previous three episodes. To get all caught up and to meet our three experts on logic and reasoning and fallacies and culture and society, here they are one more time. Please introduce yourselves.
1: Uh, I'm Barbara Drescher. I'm a cognitive psychologist by trade. I taught um, at the university level, taught cognitive psychology research methods and um, and statistics, things like that. My
2: name is Mike Ragnetta. Um, I'm the writer and host of a YouTube show called Idea Channel, which is produced by PBS Digital Studios. So
3: my name is Jesse Richardson. I'm the founder of YourLogicalFallacyIs.com, a website that helps people to learn about fallacies and critical thinking generally.
0: So most logical fallacies have a pedigree that goes back millennia. They go back to ancient Greece or something like that. But this logical fallacy is new. Well... At least the name is new. It goes back to 1975 to a book called Thinking About Thinking by philosopher Anthony Flew. And in that book, Flew describes a man from Scotland. Now, it's a fictional scenario. It's a thought experiment. But this man from Scotland is reading about a terrible crime that was committed in England. He's got his newspaper. He's read about it. And he proclaims, no Scotsman would do such a thing. Then the next day... He reads about an even worse crime, the same crime, but worse, occurring in Scotland. And he says, well, no true Scotsman would do such a thing. And in doing so, our Scottish friend has established that he would rather not believe that his Scottish brothers and sisters could be so indecent and cruel to their fellow human being. So he creates a fantasy definition that excludes bad people from being like him. Now, he can continue to be in a group that does no wrong in his eyes. And you can see the problem with this. And it's called the No True Scotsman Fallacy. And you're going to learn all about it after this break. No matter what time of year it is, you've got to make every second count. And that means looking your best. No more ratty jeans or oversized hoodies. It's time to upgrade your wardrobe. And you can let Trunk Club handle all of that work for you. Listen, we did this. Trunk Club was very nice and said, try it out. Give it a chance. See what you think about it so you can tell people what it's like to use Trunk Club. So, Amanda, my wife, Amanda tried this out. She talked to a professional stylist on the phone, gave this person all of her measurements, told her what she liked, what she didn't like. The stylist sent back photos. Then she picked out what she wanted. And then a trunk arrived in the mail full of shoes and sweaters and shirts that fit perfectly. Mandy wanted me to tell you this. It fit perfectly. And this is, this is an experience she had never had Buying clothes online, clothes that actually fit perfectly first try. She kept the sweater and the shirt, put the rest in the box. It went back to Trunk Club, and then you can do this as many times as you like. It is not a subscription service. And right now, if you go to trunkclub.com smart, you can answer simple questions about your style, your preferences, your sizes, and you will be assigned your own expert stylist. Get started today and Trunk Club will style you for free, free shipping both ways, pay for the clothes you keep, send back the rest. You're not locked into anything because it's not a subscription service. Take advantage of TrunkClub.com smart for a trunk filled with clothes you will love wearing. And now, back to our program. This is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. I am David McRaney. I am your host. And on this episode, we are exploring the no true Scotsman fallacy. So what is the no true Scotsman fallacy? Uh,
2: the no-true Scotsman fallacy is where you um, exclude um, exclude the meaningfulness of something um, based upon your uh, sense that it is not actually an example of the thing that is being discussed.
0: So how do you know – like when you – how can you identify this in the wild? How can you go, up? Oh, that's a no-true Scotsman.
3: So essentially, whenever someone's attempting to shift the goalposts after the fact by appealing to something being a true or a real version of something, um, it's pretty much time to break out the bagpipes um, at that point in time. <laughs> uh,
2: you're sort of like you're sort of like asserting status over a counter argument, um, and I think you know you see this a lot with social groups. Um, You know, the big one that comes to mind is uh, is, you know, like when people are arguing on the Internet about the actions of certain like hashtag groups or um, uh, like social uh, social groups, like maybe even anonymous, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'd say like, oh, anonymous did this. uh, And then they would say like, well, but no true member of anonymous Mm -hmm. would do that. Um, And so that's that's a sort of uh, like light version of what the no true Scotsman fallacy would be.
3: So essentially it's making what could be called an appeal to purity as a way to dismiss relevant criticisms or flaws of an argument. Um, it's a variation of the special pleading fallacy and it's often used by people who are heavily invested in either a political or a religious or other group and don't want to be associated with others in that group who they might disagree with.
1: It's an attempt to hold one's ground in our argument when your point's been refuted, um, simply by attacking the refutation as being irrelevant. So these mostly occur when the point is a categorical overgeneralization. Mm -hmm. Um, So party A makes a claim. Party B refutes the claim using examples. Then party A disqualifies the examples by doing another thing that we hate, uh, and that's called moving the goalposts. Mm. So they basically add qualifications to narrow the category to exclude the examples that are given.
3: Um, So um, as in saying, if you're a true X. Um, then you wouldn't be doing these things that these other people who
0: are lumped in what they're doing. Right, so what are some real-world examples of that? So the most
3: sort of common one that comes to mind is um, with religion in particular. So both extremist and moderate adherence to various religions will very often commit the no-true Scotsman fallacy. In an effort to distance themselves from the other, so for example, extremist Muslims are not true Muslims because Islam is a religion of peace, or conversely, moderate Christians who think gay marriage is okay are not real Christians.
1: You, you argue that you know uh, all horror movies are are um, badly written, or all horror movies are aimed towards teens, and then you, the the other person comes up with, well, The Shining wasn't aimed towards teens, and you know Jacob's Ladder wasn't aged, aimed aimed towards teens or something like that. Well, those aren't really horror movies.
0: Right. Yeah, there you go. And yeah,
1: that's that's the, the general way that the argument um, progresses. I just gave you an example that's clearly stupid, but <laughs> if you were arguing it, you wouldn't argue those things. But, um, yeah. but that's exactly how the argument usually goes. And you're no longer arguing about the same thing in the end. It, it has a way of shutting down an argument simply because you're not arguing about the same thing anymore. Well, it doesn't shut the argument down so much as it, it takes it in a new direction.
0: Yeah, it derails the thread. Yeah,
1: it does. It does. And,
0: and you, and literally, when you a lot of threads on the internet, uh, conversation threads, well, when they're derailed, it's often like the 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 cow and the in the uh, on the tracks is often the no true god. Yeah, and you, you see it everywhere. Uh, um, Bill O'Reilly saying when when someone who is a, a Christian has committed a really horrible thing, that's not a true Christian. Not a true Christian. Uh, uh, when. Uh, a member of a hashtag community like you're saying let's you know does you know a lot of, especially if a lot of people seem to be doing it uh, like a gamergate thing or uh, something like that they'll, they'll they'll be like well no true member of that community would do that and it's a it's uh you say in, in your video it's calling into question the purity or actualness of something as a way to by itself say you're wrong you know yeah. and it's it's weird because this is a I think there's a there's more math in this maybe than in some of the other ones because you're really talking about a set and trying to define what is the set. And if you ever met, if you ever gotten went down a rabbit hole of math people talking about sets, you will get into some really weird spots where they're like the set of all sets. You really feel I don't understand anything once you start to get in there. So I think that that's I think that that the the very tiniest notion of starting to get confused about what sets are makes people Re- recoil and then they use the no true scotsman to sort of salve that burn in a way. like oh yeah,
2: like when i think about my set of things, i don't think about this thing, so this thing can't possibly be a part of that. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not how i think about it. That's not my experience of it and so it is and so it is then just right off the bat incorrect. Right. And it's, and i think and i think it also it also helps it like helps people feel better about themselves because they don't want to you don't want to get into like if you like Bill O'Reilly, right? If you're a member of the group that is being charged or judged in some way, you want to maintain your innocence. You don't want to have this, like, guilt by association, which is itself another fallacy. Um, <laughs> you know, and so you, you're you like, oh, well, no, no, no. I, I distance myself from that because I don't believe that. That is not actually the thing.
0: Right. You believe in a set that is this big. I believe in a set that's a little bit smaller. doesn't include these – or it just so happens doesn't include these fringy things. Uh, it's – A battle in my mind of subjective definitions and you're saying my definition is the definition and you're trying to push your definition on me. And it it so what what gets lost in that? What is the what is sort of the what are the um what is the what is the casualty of getting into that kind of thinking?
2: Well I think that you you don't you the casualty of that kind of thinking is not possessing a uh, the casualty of that kind of thinking is not possessing a level of nuance, um, sort of. Okay, well, so we have to make some assumptions. Okay. Uh if, <laughs> if we're, we're gonna uh, we're gonna assume that the person who is deploying the no-true Scotsman fallacy is themselves a member of the the community that they are excluding a certain member from. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of times the the casualty of the situation when you when you use the no true Scotsman is you're admitting a lack of nuance f- uh, of understanding for a community or a set of things that you yourself are a part of, um, which then which then stops you from um, addressing problems within the community, which is so often the root of what causes. Uh, Terrible or tough or unpleasant arguments. Mm-hmm. It's it's communities not willing to address the shortcomings that exist within them because you feel as though you have to sort of you have to maintain the party line. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't diverge. You can't criticize your own community, especially on the internet. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you say like, well, you know, no true feminist um, is going to do that. You're not admitting. That from within the sort of rank and file of feminism, there are people who use feminism as a as a bludgeon. There are people who are you know intolerant in the name of tolerance, um, mm-hmm. and and so you you stop yourself from addressing those things.
0: Right, and it's it's so tough because you you don't want people to when you're having a conversation like this, you don't want people to feel like you are against. Their thing, you know, like you yeah. know, like I understand the core values of your thing are probably in line with my core values, but you've got to admit there's some fringy stuff, and when that i I think that when that fringe gets big enough you know it may be five percent of your community is doing heinous shit, but it if it goes from that to fifteen percent or twenty percent, you know you're, you're approaching that point when communities traditionally schism and they have different they they become two different communities, and that's such a weird thing to negotiate that I think that. You know, you know, there's you, you, a lot of no true Scotsman when you're in the middle of, of that process.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so common, though, because we like to label things. Um, we like to have things in categories. We like to have um, – we like to be able to cluster things and label things. And we do that because it helps us to deal with the world. It makes the world a lot more easy to deal with. And if you can make an argument that all – Of this, all people in this category are like this or all things in this category are like that, then you, you have much more power and prediction and in controlling your world.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, to me, it feels like this is exactly where schisms come from. This is where people decide, well, maybe we need to have a different denomination because I see it like this and you're not really with us. And so now you're not in the real group and the real, and these people are like, no, we are in the real group. So we're gonna go make our version, and they're like, that's fine, we'll go make our version. And this is this this happens not just in religion, but this happens in in scientific disciplines and political disciplines. And mm-hmm. there's a we have a, a habit as human beings and having this uh, almost this this um flowering of of um of opinion that that's sort of um buds off in every direction. And divides it. As, yeah. As, as people decide that they are not exactly in the group they think that they're in or other people are claiming to be in the group, that they don't want them to be in that group. It's an interesting um, way that we are constantly redefining the actual definitions that we decide are the true definitions of whatever it is we're trying to understand.
3: So this is curious as well, right? Because you would think that if we agree with these overarching ideas, like, you know, if we agree with, you know, equal rights woman or we agree with, you know, like, um, you know the Abrahamic God is the only true God, or whatever these kind of overarching ideas are that that would be something upon which we could all come together as a group if we all agree with that that premise. what we see though is that there is more division over time there is more schisms there is more um differentiation between different groups, and then there becomes infighting and there becomes you know this whole thing of we have um we have uh um two people two groups in in brisbane here where I live um, one's called um the socialist uh, um the socialist alliance and one's called the socialist alternative. And it just, it's like just deeply ironic that this like whole thing about like the philosophy of collectivism, they couldn't get the shit together to (laughs) actually be a single collective. Right. And yeah, so it's, it's curious to me. And I think this goes back to what we're talking about a little bit before of that if we are attempting to understand things, if it's a process of trying to understand rather than attempting to, you know, um, Defeat or um, the sort of a serial kind of context, then we can converge. We can actually come together on things. Whereas if we're attempting to always, you know, um, justify and and become entrenched in whatever you know point of view we have, we see this division, um, and it can be detrimental to individuals as well as to um, political movements and all sorts of other things as well. If we become yeah. divided
0: yeah it's i mean for me the no true Scotsman fallacy is sort of the it's the industrial runoff it's the it's the silt that it's the that forms from the process of justification and it's the process mm-hmm. of it is is sort of the evidence left behind of a mind a system of um thinking that refuses to update and um that, you know, those systems are very invested in being pure and sticking to whatever it is they already think and not uh, adjusting their thinking on that thing. And when somebody, when as the ideas evolve, it requires updating the definitions. Mm-hmm. And if you refuse to do that, that's yep. where this is going to come about. Yeah. Exactly right. And
3: then you, you get kind of left by the wayside in a way. Um, but if it fragments enough, then it helps to, you know, um, take the power out of the entire movement.
0: Yeah. And I, and I see this constantly i um and it's i understand why because if you happen to find yourself inside of a group and that group is being blamed for something naughty then it's going to be sort of your immediate response to it is i mean you have to is all i mean i don't know if you have i'm sure there are many options but it feels like you have only two it feels like i have to either renounce this group or i have to say that person is not in my group and it feels like that's when you have that urge that this is one of the options you go for.
3: Totally. And I think
0: the, the, the trick here is that we
3: tend to conflate our identity with these, you know, categories to which we assign ourselves. And if you, um, you know, identify as, you know, belonging to this religion or to this political thing, this idea of like, you know, women should have equal rights, whatever it is, that's not undermined by someone, you know, saying I'm trans-exclusionary and, you know, blah 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 blah. That's a particular nuanced interpretation of a subset of a this and that way down that line that doesn't invalidate the overarching idea that, you know, um, women should have equal rights. So you, but we, I think, from a social point of view, we don't want to be associated with people who are espousing ideas that are morally repugnant to us or we're uncomfortable with or we don't agree with. And so there's this desire to want a homogenous understanding of a category to be applicable to us in totality. Um, and that's just simply impossible. Um, there's always gonna be disagreement within things and it's through that disagreement that if we're honest and, and, and um, you know, seek understanding through, um, through good conversation with friends, we can come to a point of, of, of convergence and understanding rather than um, you know, having to you know, shift the goalposts all the way back to Scotland.
0: So now that we know that we are prone to committing this fallacy and to, as Mike Ragnetta said, deploying it when we feel threatened, how do we avoid doing that? And how do we get better at defending against it?
1: Well, once again, this comes down to being open-minded enough to admit that you're wrong. So instead of trying, instead of countering by trying to disqualify the examples, your best bet is to just concede the point. This kind of fallacy is committed when you are wrong because it's it, you're starting with a statement, or at least your that part of the argument is wrong. Um, that oh. statement is wrong, and you really have to concede the point because if if they can come up with um, examples that refute your point, then you're done. <laughs>
0: you're cooked. <laughs> yeah. And if someone does this to you or you see it out there in the wild, I mean, is there a, is there, you know, this is, sometimes it can be very delicate because you're talking about somebody's identity yeah. might be at stake. How, how do you counter it?
1: That this is, it's really a tough one to counter. You can note that, that the person's moving the goalposts. And redefining the category, you can bring that up in the argument. But that that doesn't happen that much in it it doesn't help that much to do that in real world conversations. You know, if you're used to to talking to somebody who debates or, you know, a, a philosophy major, then noting what they're doing, they might recognize it. But most people are not going to do that. And if they refuse to recognize what they're doing, you're kind of stuck you can keep arguing but the argument's not going to be the same. I think you can just end the argument without a resolution. That's probably the best way out of it.
3: So I think pointing out that you can continue to make this appeal until there's only one person left in the room or the definition is so narrow as to be absurd um, can be quite effective. But if you really want to get the message across, try affecting a really thick, yelly Scottish accent while you're explaining it (laughs) um, because it's likely that the person won't understand much of what you're saying but they'll be likely to be so shocked by your sudden aggressively bad accent that they might actually listen to whatever bits of your point are still intelligible.
0: Uh, That's good advice in any rhetorical situation, I think. Uh, If you you feel you're winning or losing, switch to the Scottish accent and you're going to accelerate the process. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You can learn more about all three of our guests in the show notes for this episode at YouAreNotSoSmart.com. Up next, a cookie, an advertisement, some credits. If you're like me, you want to get as smart as possible. You want to get rid of all the ignorance you can get rid of in a lifetime, but you, you already went to school. What do you do now? Continue your education with The Great Courses. I am so excited to tell you about something new from this fantastic company. It's called The Great Courses Plus. It's a video learning service unlimited access to a huge library of the Great Courses lecture series in so many fascinating subjects, science, history, cooking, philosophy, art, landscaping, astronomy. If you can think of it or if you've never thought of it, they have a course for you taught by a professor or an expert, someone who does several lectures, like 20, 25, 30 lectures in a series teaching you everything they can about a particular subject. And now they have this thing, The Great Courses Plus, and you can get it. Listeners of this show, of this advertisement, right now, this second, you can get it. Absolutely free. Watch one of their popular courses, The Fundamentals of Photography. Absolutely free. Nothing. Free. Just Do what I'm about to tell you. You get to watch it free. The Fundamentals of Photography is filmed in partnership with the National Geographic, and it's taught by professional photographer Joel Sartore. And I've been watching it. It's really, really, really cool. All the stuff you think you know about cameras and photographs because you have a smartphone and you take pictures of stuff all day long and you put it on social media, no. No. This course teaches you how to take stunning photographs like a pro, helps you to capture memories of what you see and experience, gives you valuable tips on how to improve the composition of your photos, how to create photos of landscapes and people and special occasions, the people you love, the things you don't want to forget. You can make a photograph that's better than just a snapshot. It is a well-composed professional work of art that you made. And for a limited time, The Great Courses Plus is offering my listeners a chance to stream this course, The Fundamentals of Photography, a $235 value, and hundreds of other courses for free. Stream from any internet-connected TV, PC, or through The Great Courses Plus apps. But this free offer is only available for a limited time, so you have to hurry. I'm sorry, it's not forever. It's just for a few moments in time for the people who heard this advertisement. So to get this, to stream the fundamentals of photography from The Great Courses Plus for free, go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. That's it. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. And now we return to our program. starts with the letter C. Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? C is for cookie. On That's each episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast, C I eat a cookie, cookie that cookie. Mandy That's bakes cookie. from a recipe sent in by a listener or a reader. That is a recipe right there in my hands. If we bake and cook and eat and love and talk about the cookie that you sent in, we'll send you a signed copy of the You Are Not So Smart book or the second book that uh, I wrote called You Are Now Less Dumb. Either one of those I will pick up with my hands. Whatever I touch first, I will sign it, think about you, think lovingly about the cookie and the joy that you put into my life, and then we'll send it your way. This recipe for this episode, oh boy. And look, this is related to our topic because what makes a cookie What is the required cookiness that establishes that a cookie gets to be in the set of all cookies? Well, we're going to test that out because this comes from Ashley Crutcher. And she writes, Ashley writes, Hi, David. I've been listening for a long time. And as a person who is allergic to almost everything inside a cookie, I hope you understand how much I love the podcast. To listen in spite of the salivating I know I will have to endure At the end, that being said, I thought it would be awesome for you to feature in everything free or more affectionately the poop cookie that I like to make that I found on Pinterest. Okay. Let me just go ahead and say, this is Funkadelic. This is not, um, some people will look at this and say, that's not a cookie. And then some people will say, yeah, it's a cookie. I mean, what makes a cookie? And, uh, that person will say, it's not a true cookie. But I'll have to say, I'm sorry, that's a logical fallacy, because what makes a cookie? What is the definition of cookie? I'm going to expand the range of my set and include this thing that Ashley says looks like poop whenever you are making them. And when they come out, I'm going to say they kind of look like poop again. Uh, They do not transfer into cookiness from poopness. Look, here's what's in it. One cup of pumpkin puree, a cup of cashew butter, uh, a quarter cup of, no, three quarters cup of cocoa powder. And then there's maple syrup and cinnamon and chocolate chips. And you, you heat up the oven, you stick in the ingredients, you put it in the food processor. There's all sorts of stuff that has to happen. But after 12 minutes, you get this cookie-like thing. And what does it look like? It's weird. Um, I'm salivating. Um, okay. You know, when I don't, maybe you don't do this, but I've done this. If you do any kind of gardening and you get the topsoil stuff, the like fertilizer cake stuff in the bag and you open it up and you're like, this is the moistest, nicest soil I've ever seen. And you kind of like pack that into little, little, um, little cakes. And you think to yourself, I would like to put that in my mouth and chew it. Now, maybe you've never felt this, but I have felt it strongly. I don't know what that says about me. Maybe I have some form of pica. I want to eat topsoil. And this is my chance because this everything free cookie that Ashley sent in uh, Looks a lot like topsoil and kind of feels like it too. Okay, here we go. We're going to try it out. This is for people who can't have the kind of cookies that everybody else can have. I'm going to try it out. Here we go. Ashley, I'm going for it. Here we go. mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What is happening to me? Okay, I'm imagining archaeologists unearthing recipes from from our deep past. Like, uh, everything was destroyed, like in some sort of Library of Alexandria event, and so we don't know what was the most popular plays from the time period. We just know what survived, and that becomes like our image of the past. This is, uh, I imagine, what a future culture They could unearth this and they make it and they go, that's what cookies taste like. I will say this deserves its own subcategory of things that are cookie-like and taste cookie-ish, but they're their own thing. It's a completely new thing. I don't know what this is. (laughs) This is neither fish nor fowl. This is not – it's more like a brownie. It tastes like a brownie, but it tastes like uh, a brownie from another planet. Emissaries from Zarkon. We're monitoring our transmissions, and they they saw an I Love Lucy episode where she made cookies, and they said, this is for our new human friends. Eat cookie now. And so then the, the president reaches for it, but one of his, like, uh, Secret Service agents says, no, sir, I'll eat the cookie for you. We don't know what's in it. And then he puts it in his mouth, and I'm going to do it right now. Here we go. Ow. What? Is happening to my face hole. Mm. Do you like it? Mmm. Yeah, tastes just like cookies. And then the Zarconians murmur among themselves, and there's harmony among our peoples. Ashley, your poop alien everything free cookies that are so weird to me. Thank you. I love them. They're so bizarro. Oh, man, I'm sorry that you're allergic to cookies. Allergic to cookies. What a twisted fate you must endure. I am so sorry. But I will send you a signed copy of You Are Not So Smart. Thank you so much, Ashley. A book is on its way. That is it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast. For more great podcasts like this one, go to boingboing.net. Boing Boing is now about to release some brand new podcasts. You're going to want to know what they are. You're going to want to see them. They're so cool. I will mention more about them in the next episode. Hey, Patreon. You can support this podcast through Patreon. Please do it. It allows me to do all sorts of cool stuff that I couldn't do without your help. Patreon.com slash smart. All of the stuff in the show, All the people you you heard, everything we talked about, show notes at youarenotsosmart.com. Previous episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. The opening music that is Clash by Caravan Palace and all the other music came from patronage through Patreon. Thank you so much. More fallacies soon.